Bless you. How are you? Chilly? <clears throat> Loving this weather? Glad it's finally winter? Yeah. Come on. <clears throat> Great, man. <laughs> Would you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for central heating. <laughs> Father, uh, glory. Lord, we ask that... Um, and we know that you're already here, uh, Father. We never have to invite you to church. Uh, you're here waiting, and you've invited us to come into your presence. So I pray that our hearts and minds would be open, your Holy Spirit would illuminate uh, uh, us to your Word, open our eyes to see wonderful things from your Word, and that uh, your Word would, would transform us as we behold you in your Word. And so we just yield ourselves to that in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, we're beginning a series on a Sermon on the Mount and just taking time to look through, kind of going verse by verse uh, rather than topical, which is more normal what we do um, uh, when it comes to series. But um, uh, we're just going to look at the Sermon on the Mount because it's such a, a fundamental uh, portion of Scripture. And uh, one person called it the Constitution of the Kingdom. And uh, wow, that's just a great way to sum up this teaching. We're going to take our time and look at it verse by verse. And today we're going to look, um, still getting more, still still stuck on the introduction. But it's great because I'm not in a hurry. And uh, 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 I want to get the beginning of it right. And so we're going to look at, uh, begin with Matthew 4, 23 through 25. I'm going to read it out of the New King James and then read it out of the message, so two different translations. Uh, so here it is, Matthew 4, 23 through 25, the New King James says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics. And he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And from the message, which is a real modern uh, paraphrase, if you will, um, <clears throat> putting it phrase by phrase rather than word by word type translation. Puts it this way. It says, From there he went all over Galilee. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. God's kingdom was his theme. That beginning right now, they were under God's government. A good government. He also healed people of their diseases and of the bad effects of their bad lives. Word got around the entire Roman province of Syria. People brought anybody with an ailment, whether mental, emotional, or physical. Jesus healed them all, one and all. More and more people came, the momentum gathering. Besides those from Galilee, crowds came from the ten towns across the lake, others up from Jerusalem and Judea, still others from across the Jordan. So what we have here in these verses is a summary of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, it's, a, it's like a section heading. And it gives us an idea of what will follow. It describes what Jesus does 
over the course of the next portion of the, of the book, over the next portion, the next few chapters of the book. And Matthew uh, does this throughout the Gospel. And remember, part of the purpose of this series is not only to teach the content, but also to give you kind of tips on how to study the Bible, how to uh, extract information, if you will, or, 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 or learn how to get application and, and from Scripture. And so looking for these clues uh, to understanding Scripture is an important aspect of being able to get more out of the Bible when you read and study the Bible. You know, there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Did you know that? There's a difference uh, um, I was going to say something. <laughs> when you read, you know, I'm reading the Bible in 90 days. I'm one day behind, by the way. So, there's grace. <laughs> I'll catch up. <laughs> She's on day 10. <laughs> It's funny, they gave you a day off. January 30th, there was no reading. I'm like, wow. So I got seven chapters ahead. But then I was gone for two days, and so I got a chapter behind, uh, a day behind. But when I'm reading through that, you know, I'm not studying. I'm just booking, literally. But when you study, you take time. And God, I really think we need both. That's what I was going to say. You need both. You need to read the book, and you need to study the book. And studying gives you, uh, enables you to understand it more in depth. Reading gives you the big picture. Um, so this is a study tip. Matthew gives us section headings. Uh, and those aren't the parts that are in bold. Actually, the bold paragraph headings are put in by the publisher. Those are not anointed. Uh, those are not scriptural in, in, in its sense. Those are just the publisher saying, well, this is what we think is a subject heading. Uh, the real subject headings are in the text, and you have to learn Scripture to kind of discern, oh, this, this is, this is kind of like a summary, and let's see what follows. Or you can just turn to a Bible commentary, and it'll tell you that. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so that's a study tip. Look for summaries, and it introduces the next section, and it kind of summarizes what's coming up. It says, Jesus went all about Galilee. So this tells us the region which we already uh, learned he he'd went up to Galilee. And then it says he went all through Galilee teaching uh, what, what is following. So it not only tells us where he taught, but it, it tells us that the next section, which is chapters 4 through 16, that's a pretty big section, right? Chapters 4 through 16 uh, comprise this next section, is a compilation of his teachings that he did throughout the region. And as I've said before, uh, the right way to, to write a book in, 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 in the time that this was written was not to do it chronologically, but to do it thematically. And so the, uh, Matthew intentionally gathered Jesus' teachings in an orderly way and presented them. And so it doesn't mean that the Sermon on the Mount was just one sermon. It's not saying that there wasn't a Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure there was a Sermon on the Mount. There was probably many sermons on the Mount. He ministered for three years. Right, uh, um, but this is a collection of those teachings there and in other places. In one of the other gospels, it's called the Sermon on the Plain, you know. And so again, he taught in different places, and this is a compilation in an orderly manner. And then we see in Jesus's ministry, as we read that little summary, there's three categories of ministry that sum up what Jesus did. It's teaching, preaching, and what else? 
Well, how'd you guys know that? <laughs> it's amazing how those things work. <laughs> I think there's a parallel here to the, the three attributes or the three aspects of, of the kingdom of God that were, we introduced earlier, and it's really uh, part of our mission statement, which is uh, uh, loving, learning, and leading. And here we see teaching is, of course, discipleship. It's learning. It's about uh, 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 being informed. Preaching is proclamation. We'll get into each one of these in depth as we, today as we go through this. But in summary, it's, it's preaching. It's leading. It's proclaiming truth to those who don't uh, know it. it. It's, you know, going forward. And then healing is a, really a, a manifestation of love. It's meeting uh, practical needs. It's showing compassion. Remember when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Uh, often throughout the scripture, we see him moved by compassion. And he, when he sees the sick, when he sees the ailing, when he sees the lonely. And so all three of these are expressions. So there's three attributes of kingdom culture, loving, learning, and leading. And those are displayed in the three uh, categories of activities that Jesus does, teaching, preaching, and healing. Make sense? So we're going to look at those three activities, and those are that's what Jesus' ministry looked like. That's, those are the activities that Jesus did that, that, that we learn is this is how Jesus did ministry. Teaching is the first one. He says it says he taught in their synagogues. And there's a, there's a Greek word, didasko, and it means um, to hold discourse with others in order to instruct to deliver didactic di- uh, discourses. And so didactic is just, is just like line upon line. It's instructional teaching. It's like this is what this means. This is what that means. It's kind of like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, I'm teaching a class. And it can include a small class where maybe you have handouts. I wonder if Jesus had handouts. What do you think? <laughs> Whenever he had a, a copy machine was broke. <laughs> you know, so he just had a scribe. He'd knock him in the head. <laughs> um, but it was just teaching. It's explaining. It's um, uh, point by point. And Jesus um, did that as one of the as one of the three aspects of his ministry. One uh, 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 resource says that. Uh, this is the Life Application Bible. It says, teaching shows Jesus' concern for understanding. You know, he's not merely interested in promoting himself, but imparting truth to individuals' lives. All right? And so the fact that he took time to teach tells you something about the person of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. It's not just about holding big crusades and big meetings. He did that. Remember, it's not one. A lot of people want to do one or the other. You know, Christianity should be about this big thing, or Christianity should just be about teaching. You know, if you if you're not in a, a group of you know seven or twelve, then it's not real Christianity. And another person says, "Oh, it's, there's not thousands. It's not real Christianity." And and the truth is, hey guys, read the Bible. He did both. He he taught in groups. He taught in medium-sized groups. He taught tens of thousands, uh, because. Uh, all of it is included in, in Jesus' ministry. So here we see Jesus teaching, and that shows us that Jesus valued instruction. Uh, and it's an important aspect of the kingdom of God. And, it's, and it specifically mentions that he taught in the synagogues. Now, even though <coughs> um, where he was teaching, Galilee was, was a, a region that was known to be mostly Gentile in nature, most of the Jews, you know, only considered it 
borderline Jewish, uh, it was really it's Gentile of the Galilees is what it was called. There were still many practicing Jews, and any city that had at least ten Jewish families would have a synagogue. And the synagogue was a meeting place <clears throat> where those Jews could gather together on Sabbath and uh, celebrate the Sabbath, also celebrate the different um, uh, traditions within the Jewish uh, religion. And throughout the week, it was used as a school. And so their kids would go there to learn um, uh, the, the Torah and actually memorize the, at least the first five books. The boys uh, were... <coughs> um, the girls had classes too, but the boys especially were all taught to memorize um, at least the first five books of the Bible. And so uh, Jesus was then um, uh, allowed to teach because he was a recognized rabbi. He would even be invited uh, to the synagogues and given. And we see this in one of the Gospels where he's asked to, read, to come up and, and read, and he reads from Isaiah. And Paul does the same thing in Acts in his ministry, it's, he goes from town to town, and the first place he goes in every town, if there was one, was to the synagogue. And he would begin there teaching. And I think there's an application that we can learn from this. Um, in Jesus' time, the synagogue would parallel the local church. All right? Because that's where the people would gather locally with their community. Believe They did life together uh, in that community. And when they worshiped, when they read... Scripture, when they sang uh, songs and worshiped God, that was their local assembly. It was their synagogue. And Jesus honored the synagogue by going to those synagogues and teaching. Uh, and so, <clears throat> in many of those synagogues, after the resurrection, especially during the time uh, uh, of revival that happened following uh, Pentecost uh, and, and the ministry of Paul, many of those synagogues converted to Christianity. The leaders of the synagogues would become Christian, and the whole nature of the synagogue would change. Many of them didn't, but uh, many of them did. And they became local churches. Jesus, is honor, Jesus honors local congregation. He values communities of faith. And so many today, in our day, in our culture, right now, this is kind of a, a big issue, uh, especially amongst younger uh, actually, it's really all ages. <laughs> but our culture kind of is doing the opposite. And, and they think you can have uh, a relationship without, with Jesus without the church. You know, and that's just silly. But let me give you my theological statement on that. That's, that's silly. All right? What do you think about have, having a relationship with Jesus without the church? That's silly. I don't know if anybody here is, I mean, you're all here, so I'm assuming, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> but I know some people in here. And, and it's a big uh, issue in the church today is, is, is there still a place for the local congregation? Hey, you can listen to the best preachers in the world just by clicking a button on your computer. Why do you need to get out and listen to some schmuck like me? You know, well, it's because this is a faith community. It's not just about the sermon. It's about the community. All right? The church is Christ's bride. We need to honor and love her. In fact, honoring and loving Christ's bride is an expression of honoring and loving Christ. How you treat His bride, He's very concerned about. And if you go about talking negatively about Jesus' bride, how do you think He's going to respond to that? Now, it's not just this church. It's the church down the street. And the church that you just happen not to like. That's his bride, too. 
And so if you walk up to a, 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 a newly married guy and he's in love with his wife, and you go, hey, gosh, you married so-and-so. Yeah, what about that big wart on her face? What That's kind of, I'm surprised. <laughs> Did you notice that? What would be his proper response? <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Did you notice that? Okay, so that's what I think Jesus feels when someone says, oh, the, the, the church is, the church is blankety blank. The church is blankety blank. Blank. Excuse me, you're talking about my Lord's bride. And I'm, I'm not going to listen to that because I love him. And because he loves her, I love her. And, and maybe she's got a few warts. Maybe she's got a few problems. But he's making her beautiful. And I want to be part of that. All right? <clears throat> I got a glory back there going on. <laughs> Furthermore, we're called to be his bride. So if you talk negative about the church, you're really talking about negative about you. So maybe you just need inner healing. <laughs> so how are, my question to you is, how are you demonstrating this Christ-like honoring of the local faith community? How are you demonstrating? Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus valued it. And so how do you demonstrate it? Um, how do you, and then the other thing that he demonstrated was a value on, on teaching and instruction. Jesus, uh, Matthew in this book identifies, and he does this again, all this is written by, Matthew was considered a scholar. And the way he wrote his book was, was very, very good. And so he identifies these three main aspects of Jesus' ministry. And the first one is teaching. So we need to value teaching because Jesus valued teaching. So how are you demonstrating a value of teaching and instruction in your life? And you can do that by studying, learning how to study God's Word, learning, attending classes like this Kingdom Finance class that we have coming up. It's a great opportunity to learn a kingdom approach to, to money and finance. Um, uh, Sunday sermons are time to learn. Uh, much of what I know about Christianity is just through Sunday sermons. You know, and reading books and doing personal study and listening to podcasts. You know, right now it's so easy to listen to to excellent preachers on every possible topic just by turning it on and downloading it, whatever it is. It's all free. Um, Lots of different ways. Do you value kingdom teaching and how is that demonstrated in your life? The next one is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that's a different word. It's uh, K. Russo. I'm probably butchering those words. I don't know how to pronounce Greek. Um, But that means to proclaim after the manner of a herald, always with the suggestion of formality, gravity, and I like this part, an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. So this is different than teaching. Teaching is like, so this is what it means, and this is what it means. Do you get it? No. Okay, well, think of it this way. Heralding or proclaiming, preaching, is a declaration with authority that uh, communicates that you need to be listening to this and this is to be obeyed. Right? And so Jesus taught, but He also preached. Uh, it's a kind of a different level. It has a higher authority uh, and, it, and it's more proclamation. The, a herald would, <clears throat> is that we don't have those in our days, um, it's more similar to uh, a proclamation or advertising, really, is kind of the way it, it works, where a herald would, would represent 
the government would come into a city and say, these are the decrees of the king or the, or the emperor that they are to be obeyed. And so that's how official decrees were communicated through kingdoms. Uh, a herald would come into a city, usually in a particular place, and herald it. Uh, and they, it was not to be debated. <laughs> All right, that's this the the authority, the reigning authority de- declares this. Jesus, in the same way as the reigning authority, came as herald and preached um, the gospel of the kingdom. Um, um, uh, from one uh, uh, again, the Life Application Bible says. Uh, Jesus preached the gospel, the good news, to everyone who wanted to hear it. The gospel is that the kingdom of heaven has come, that God is with us, and that He cares for us. Christ can heal us, not just of physical sickness, but of spiritual sickness as well. There is no sin or problem too great or too small for Him to handle. Jesus' words were good news because they offered freedom, hope, peace of heart, an eternal life with God. So preaching is public proclamation. And Jesus was the herald of the message of the kingdom. Uh, and, and so he would herald it, he would proclaim it, and then those who responded, you know, we see him uh, uh, preaching to the multitudes and then taking his disciples and explaining things uh, and in more in-depth. And one thing that you need to know as you, as you read through the Gospels is that when it talks about disciples, sometimes that term is used for the twelve, right? Which which are also called the apostles, but most often it's used to uh, concerning the group of individuals that believed Jesus, that showed up at all of his meetings, and that was a group of hundreds, out of which one time he sent a group of seventy to go to different cities and preach. Okay, but there was a group of Anywhere from three to five hundred uh, in, in the hundreds. We don't know the exact number. Uh, and so when it talks about Jesus' disciples, most often it's talking about the bigger group of, of people that they believed whatever Jesus said. And then there was the multitudes, and those are people just coming to check them out. You know, or critics. They weren't sure yet. And there's three groups. There's the apostles, there's the disciples, and then there's uh, the multitudes. And he preached to the multitudes, and he taught the disciples, and he and then he called the disciples in to to go out and teach others. <clears throat> All right. And what he taught was the kingdom of God. I like the message translates this: the kingdom, uh, God's kingdom, was his theme. That beginning right now, they were under God's government, a good government. So he was proclaiming something that was really quite radical. That right now, beginning now, you are under the kingdom of God. That God's government begins now. You know, if Jesus showed up today, and by the way, Jesus is here today, uh, he says the same thing. He doesn't say the kingdom of God started 2,000 years ago. He says the kingdom of God is now. Right now is what matters. Are you accepting God's government now? Because the government is here. And and in order to benefit from the benefits of His rule and reign, you need to accept. You need to willingly submit yourself in right relationship uh, uh, to God's government. And that was the theme. That was what Jesus communicated. And then... As we go through the Sermon on the Mount, it is explained what that government looks like. What it looks like to live 
under the government. So he's telling us, he's introducing the theme, and over the course of the next, uh, uh, you know, chapters 4 through 16, it teaches us what that means to live, what God's government looks like and what it means to live under it. And so I'd ask you, uh, as, as an application of this, we're the church, all right? We're Christ's body in the earth today, and we're called to represent Jesus, to represent Jesus, right? Uh, we're Jesus. You are Jesus in your circle of influence. You're the body of Christ. And as a church as a whole, we represent Christ. So we need to be doing the same thing. We need to be heralding the good news of the kingdom. Bless you. We need to be teaching. We also need to be preaching uh, and proclaiming that right now God's government is available and there's an open invitation to call people into that. You know, you may never speak to a multitude. You may never speak to more than one person at a time. But you can proclaim truth. You know, and one thing, you know, teaching kind of requires a, a give and take and, and you want to make sure the information is received, but preaching doesn't. This declaration. And sometimes you just need to declare, you know, this is, I understand that you disagree with this and maybe you don't understand, but I'm telling you, Jesus is in authority. And the whole earth, is, in fact, the whole of the universe is, is under his control and his authority. And in the end, he will reign supreme. And justice will be, be served. And He will be glorified. And if they don't understand that, that's okay. They've heard truth. And it'll kind of needle into their spirit. You know? Because it's good news. You know? And that's what the Holy Spirit can use that to bring redemption. And the third thing is, <clears throat> oh, so, so all of us are called to teach. All of us are called to preach because all of us are representatives of Jesus' kingdom. It may not be your primary gift, but you're called to do that in some way. And the third thing is, is healing. Uh, it says he healed, he healing all kinds of sicknesses, uh, sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And this is a third word, uh, a Greek word. Uh, uh, again, I don't know how to pronounce Greek, but it's therap... Uo? Therapio? Yo, Therapibo. Graham could probably do this better than me. <laughs> um, and that means, it's from the, it's from the word that we get therapy. Um, and I like this definition, to wait upon menially. Jesus humbled himself and became a servant. You know, the best picture of this is in a nursing home and the aide comes in to clean up when the patient soils their bed. You want to see Jesus? Go to a nursing home. I go frequently because Kathy's grandmother is in a nursing home. You know? And these people complain about being in a nursing home. And you know, I understand that. Who wants to live in a nursing home? You know, it's, it's, it's horrible in one sense. In other words, in another sense, it's, it's amazing. You get... You, Thank God we have a place where you can be safe and someone will come in and clean you up. You know, in most countries that doesn't happen. But those poor workers, you know, 
have to deal with grumpy patients. And, and they have to clean them up and they have to be nice to them. Or else the family complains. You know? That's Jesus. You want to see Jesus? Go get to know the nursing home workers. You know? And if they're, if they're grumpy, try doing their job for a few months. Right? And Jesus, Jesus, did, Jesus ministered menial. He took care of their problems. Um, it means to serve, to do service, to heal, to cure, to restore to health. And I don't think we should overlook the categories. Uh, again, respecting Scripture. The Scripture here identifies different categories of sickness, disease, torments, demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics. So even in this ancient time, when they had a limited level of scientific knowledge, they were able to identify all of these different categories of afflictions. All right? And that tells me that God is certainly aware that in our day, we have a lot more categories. <laughs> because, you know, people actually get paid to write books just to come up with all the categories of, of diseases. <clears throat> and, and, and sometimes it's crazy. It's like, okay, it's, you know, we can just keep on categorizing it uh, uh, ad infinitum. Uh, but there are differences, and you can't lump everything together. Um, and, and the reason I bring this out is that, you know, some people are demon-possessed and some people are epileptic. Even though, if you ever, how many of you have seen an epileptic seizure? Yeah, you know, the first time that happens, it kind of rocks your world. I was in college, and my roommate, you know, had a seizure. You know, wow, that was a grand mall, man, the full-on, flipping all over the floor and foaming at the mouth. You know. Of course, I was charismatic just out of a cast the demon out of anybody. I mean, <laughs> he was a epileptic, man. I could have cast a demon out of him. He was epileptic. There's a difference. <clears throat> but, no, but sometimes in Scripture, people who demonstrate the symptoms of ep- epilepsy actually are demon-possessed. And so we, we can't Sometimes we just don't know. We have to allow God to give us discernment, and we do the best we can. The point of the Scripture uh, is that Jesus demonstrated power over all of these afflictions. That's the point. Whatever the affliction, whatever the category, boom! God's government comes and heals. And so the answer to the affliction is is what Christ comes, what Christ preaches. Uh, and, and I think that the fact that Matthew lists supernatural manifestation, God's kingdom, Christ ministering to and bringing healing to all the different categories of afflictions is, is one of the three um, uh, elements of Christ's ministry. There's teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. And all, of, all the different, from demon-possessed to paralytics to, to whatever it may be, <clears throat> is, is the... God's Word declaring to us that supernatural manifestations of the kingdom are one of the three identifying characteristics of Christ's ministry. So we cannot, as Christ's followers, as disciples, delete these from our beliefs and our expectations of, of the kingdom. We can't delete what God's included. Right? 
I mean, that's taken away a whole third of Jesus' ministry. If you go and, you know, cross out all the supernatural manifestations, you're changing Jesus' ministry. And I don't think you have the right to do that. And we need to expect. Now, if someone never sees any of these personally, it doesn't mean that they're no longer valid for today. Just because you never see someone supernaturally healed or a demon cast out or a paralyzed person get up and walk doesn't mean that it's not part of Jesus' ministry. Does it? What it means is that you've just never seen it. Right? And the, the, the point that we need to, to understand is that we do not base our theology on our personal experience. We don't base our understanding of God's kingdom, understanding of the person of Jesus Christ and the nature of God, based on our experience. Because if you do that, you're going to have a very little understanding of God. All right? And a very skewed understanding of who you think you are. Because <laughs> you're the little guy, and he's the big guy. Right? And so your perspective is small, and God's perspective is big. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so if we've never seen that, we don't base our, per- our theology and personal experience, but on God's Word. And when we get that right, when we base our understanding of God on God's Word, then we can expect our personal experience to line up with God's Word. But, if you base your theology on your personal experience, the reverse will happen. God's Word will align to your experience, and you'll limit God. And this is what many Christians and whole denominations, whole movements within the church, say, we've never seen that, therefore it doesn't happen anymore, therefore God's Word doesn't mean that. Rather than God's Word says this, we haven't seen it, so we need to seek it out. Because God's Word trumps my experience. Always. And that's a very, very important lesson. And I think it's crucial that we see that at the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry, at the beginning of the Gospel, Matthew identifies these three characteristics as the key characteristics of Jesus' ministry. Not by accident. See, this summarizes Jesus' ministry. Teaching, preaching, and healing. So what should summarize the ministry of Jesus' church? Teaching, preaching, and healing. Supernatural manifestations. Preaching, declaration of truth. And teaching and instruction. Uh, uh, loving, learning, and leading. You know, that's what it's all about. In Luke 10, we see this. Uh, uh, Jesus say uh, to his disciples uh, in another place in the Gospel. It says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, uh, eat whatever they give you. Praise God. That's another emphasis. <laughs> eat the food, man. It's okay to eat. <clears throat> Praise God. Looking forward to that. Uh, and heal the sick. And heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come to you. So healing the sick and the kingdom of God, Jesus himself relates. It's the same thing. In Matthew 10, 7 and 8, it says, And as you go, preach. So the proclamation, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Next word, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. So Christ himself equates supernatural healing and deliverance with his kingdom. He expects his disciples to be active participants in that when he called them. We talked about that in the weeks previous into this kingdom. So we should 
expect to see this as a demonstration of the lordship of Jesus Christ and the governance of God, God's kingdom. We need to expect. Now, if you don't expect, if you've convinced yourself people are never going to get healed when you pray for them because it's never happened, then that reinforces your belief. You're not going to expect it. You're not operating in faith. All right? I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm trying to teach you this is how you move into an area where you begin to see fruit. All right? Is that you begin to expect it. Not because of your experience. You don't base your understanding of God on your experience. You base it on the Word of God. And and so when you go, just like maybe no one's ever gotten saved when you preach the gospel, it doesn't mean you don't stop preaching the gospel. Because you don't preach the gospel because people get saved. You preach the gospel because you're a disciple. All right? And you do what Jesus said. So you just preach the gospel, and some people get saved? Huh! Bonus! <laughs> you know? And people, you know, throw things at you? You know, duck! <laughs> Maybe learn how to preach better. <laughs> so, the application of this last part, do you believe that supernatural healing and deliverance are equal parts? See, they're equal parts. And in our culture for the last 500 years, since, since the Reformation, and God did a lot of th- good things in the Reformation, you know, uh, but people did some stupid things. Uh, uh, we've kind of said preaching is really important. Teaching is, is probably as important. But this healing stuff, that's kind of, I don't know. We go to doctors for that. You keep going to doctors, and doctors will say, I don't know. We'll, we'll try this. I love it when the doctor says, what do you think about this? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you are the head of cardiology for Borges Health Institute. And you're asking me my opinion? <laughs> I didn't actually say that, but that's what I felt. What do you think about this? <laughs> Is there another doctor around here? <laughs> no, I, I like my doctor. He's cool. Oh, but uh, <clears throat> so three attributes of the kingdom culture is loving, learning, and leading. Three activities of kingdom ministry is healing, teaching, and preaching. And we'll get into more of it in a few weeks because I'm going to be gone the next two weeks. <laughs> so, all right, but I'll be back. There'll be good word. Yeah, some announcements.